lockdown episode nine, take two. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, welcome to uh, On The DL, uh, episode nine, the lockdown edition, Dakota. Lamb. <laughs> and uh, today uh, we're going to cover, um, uh, you know, how, how to pick a coach and also um, what to expect from your coach and what your coach expects from you. Uh, so we're going to cover both sides. And I think we were speaking about this a few minutes ago. I think, uh, you know, uh, people forget that it is both sides. There's two Absolutely. sides to the relationship. You can't yeah. effectively work with a coach unless you understand what they expect of you and what you expect of them. It can't, it can't ever be a one-way system and be a really good relationship. So yes. going into these things, you have to be choosing a coach and the coach choosing a client based on whether or not you think that you can work effectively together. And it is a two-way street. So Zach, what would you do if you were looking for a coach? So where would you start? I would I mean obviously it depends it depends what you need from the coach as well you know um everybody needs different things some people I find I find most females um you know communicate a lot more um males are quite simple you know um yeah. they they do the job and you know if the communication is a little bit less so you're just like yep you're still alive <laughs> sweet. All right, see, see you next week um black so, and white yeah. numbers all that sort of jazz whereas exactly. women more about the um how you feel how you're progressing um different yeah. types of motivators definitely 100%, 100%. Um, and, uh, you know, when I'm looking for a coach, I definitely look at, you know, their, their history um, and their success with other clients um, and also uh, if I get along with them. Um, so I think a lot of people forget that as well because, yeah. like, we, like we said, it's a relationship. Um, yeah. You know, you've got to be comfortable and safe to be able to communicate how you actually feel and the issues and your fears or, you know, all, all that really because... I guess the relationship is quite personal as well. Really personal. And it has to be transparent. And if you're not mm. comfortable with your coach, if you don't have a rapport with your coach, you're not going to tell them everything. You're going to feel a little bit held back. And I think one of the mm. interesting things about searching for a coach, the first place we tend to go is recommendations, right? So we, we yeah. talk to people, um, 10 people recommend the same coach. And so we go, well, they must be a really good coach because they're getting yeah. this out of their lifters. But you can be an amazing coach for those 10 people and a terrible coach for another 10 people. And that's the reality of the situation when it comes to coaching in any industry. So yeah. definitely, I think you and I both say, would agree that looking at coaches that have been recommended by other people is a great place to start because it does narrow the field down a little bit then yeah. do a bit of research into how they run their coaching so is it all online is some of it face to face is it weekly check-ins is it monthly check-ins mm. da, da, da. do they tailor that to you or do they just have one system yeah. that works across the board because you're, you're, we've spoken about this in the past, you're yeah. mostly from referrals, yeah? Almost exclusively from referrals. Like I, yeah. I think um, in the last maybe a year, I've probably had three or four clients that inquire just purely because they've stumbled on me on a website. <laughs> yeah. And literally every other client that I have has been referred to me. 
And it works well in my case because I find that that means that the client knows what to expect as soon as they step in in the door. So they know what I'm going to ask of them. They know what they want to ask from me. And then we can work together to find a system that works best for them. I tailor my approach dependent on the person. So some of my clients see me every two weeks. Some of my clients see me every eight weeks. Some only see me twice a year because it's just maintenance for them. They want to make sure they're not going backwards, but they don't need to be coming. And, and you know, there is a there's a point at which being a coach, an overbearing coach, actually sends people backwards. If someone yeah. is just trying to maintain and you're seeing them every two weeks, I guarantee you they're going to become obsessive about something to do with their plan mm. because they're starting to now think that, any little tweak and any little change is necessary just to maintain and it's not you know we know that we know that you can have fluctuation in maintenance and it's just really not that big of a deal so it really is just about what your client's trying to get out of it um, how much support they need and in what form so I have online clients not many of them because I don't particularly like to um, and I'm the opposite yeah, and that's it. And I also, I thrive off of numbers. I'm kind of 50-50, half female, half male brain. So I thrive off of numbers and I love doing body fat analysis because it gives me so much information. And when I can't do that, I feel just a little bit more limited in what I'm doing. So I'm always going to prefer to do yep. face-to-face, but you can't always do face-to-face. International, yeah. interstate clients, you can't do that. Yeah. So from my perspective, it's really about um, how can I deliver the best treatment for my clients mm. and my clients are often not just seeing me for performance or just for aesthetics. Often my clients mm. will have issues with gut microbiome problems, mm-hmm. hormonal um, irregularities, so on and so forth. So, of course, mm-hmm. Depending on what we're treating them for, we're going to look at a totally different relationship. Some people need yeah. more feedback than others. So yeah, yeah. So it really is dependent. And I know you've got a lot of online clients, but you're the same, aren't you? You do vary how often you'll check in or the way that you check in with yeah. your clients based on the client. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, every every approach is kind of different, and yeah, like what the client needs. Uh, can be different you know to everyone like yeah weekly every two weeks uh, monthly um, yeah you know uh, sometimes a 12-week program depending on the person like uh, yeah everyone's needs are kind of different and their communication needs are going to be different every time um, yeah and like nutrition and, and programming are kind of different the same because I guess it's like you know how we were saying about the relationship like uh if if the relationship isn't there and the trust isn't there I think the mm-hmm. trust needs to be built over time but yeah. there has to be a little bit of trust going in because if you're going to really wholeheartedly do the program or wholeheartedly follow the nutrition plan there has to be like okay I'm just going to do it there has to be that trust and if it's not from the start you're not gonna you're not gonna really put 100% in so definitely ha- you have to you have to really just give it a go, you know, you and have to kind of tr- trust the process. Yeah, that doesn't mean you can't ask questions. It just means 100%. that you have to use those questions to invest in doing yes. what you're supposed to do rather than questioning it, second-guessing things. There's a difference between asking questions and questioning yes. things, right? Yes. Asking questions is because you're aiming to become educated. Questioning mm-hmm. things is second-guessing your coach and that... Yes 
automatically will ruin your rapport, right? <laughs> if all you're ever doing is trying to catch your coach out, how are you going to expect to get any results? It's like we were talking yeah. before, Dak, about people who jump from coach to coach to coach to coach to coach. Yes. How do they know if it's a good coach or a bad coach? Like three weeks They're not going to make any progress. Oh, three weeks in, you've got no idea. You've got no idea whether or not um, it's a relationship issue. You've got no idea whether or not that person just hasn't understood what you're trying to get across to them and vice versa, whether or not the person who the, the client is being transparent with the information so on and so forth. So clear-cut roles and responsibilities are a big mm. part of what makes a good coach, I think, do you reckon? Yeah, I think, you know, you need to really, when you're starting off with a client and when you're starting off with a coach, I think it's really good to ask, you know, I ask my clients, you know, what do you expect from me? And what yeah. do you need from me? Because yeah. obviously what you expect and what you need are going to obviously be two different things as well yeah. um, and vice versa. So I think, yeah, definitely, definitely having clear cut rules, um, you know, and I think a lot of people are afraid to ask for rules or yeah. to set them in place yeah. um, because they feel like they're, you know, putting somebody in a box, but it's like, it's going to make the client's job easier. It's going to make the coach's job easier if there's definitive lines, you know, okay, this is what I expect. And you know, that, 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 that's it, nothing less. Yeah. And then that's just going to obviously help the success of, you know, both sides. And yeah. it plays back into that transparency, right? So if you say to your client that I expect you to give me honest feedback and they have an injury that they haven't told you about, mm. how are you supposed to program to get the best out of that client if you're treating them for something completely different, right? So say, for yeah. instance, you've got a power lift up just as a... <laughs> just because you've got a few of those, Dak. <laughs> and they've got a shoulder injury that they haven't yes. told you about, right? So they're tanking on their squats, they're tanking on their bench press, they're doing mm. all right on their deadlifts, but you have no feedback as to why. And you're yeah. sort of trying to tweak this, that, and the next thing in their program to get the best out of them, but you're not mm. getting this feedback as to why these things aren't going in the direction you would expect. Until yeah. that client is transparent with you, until that client says, mm. oh, actually, five years ago, I had this injury and it's playing up again, da 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 you can't do anything about it. So that client then will go into one of two mindsets. Either mm. they'll start thinking the coach is shit because mm. they're not progressing or yeah. they'll be honest with themselves and they'll say, look, this is on me. I wasn't transparent yeah. about what I was doing and therefore mm. Dakota can't program for me. But yeah. being put in that situation is tricky, whether it's with programming or nutrition. Nutrition's the same thing. You and I mm. had a fun one <laughs> a while back when I said to you, can you please go back and track everything that you ate off plan last week? And yeah. You and I are great because you are really transparent. If I ask you to go back and do that sort of jazz, you will do it and you'll be really honest about it. And it came out yeah. to be, what, 3,000 calories or something like that spread what across the week. Delicious. <laughs> That's it. And because of yeah. that, we could then normalize the response. We could say, all right, because yeah. Dakota understands that she made these decisions, now we mm. know why this is the outcome. Had you been dishonest with me, though, yeah. then we would have been going around in circles. We would have been sitting there going, well, why isn't it working? There's mm. there's nothing here that we can actually work on or resolve mm. because theoretically everything's in place. 
I think, and I think nutrition and programming are a little bit different in terms of transparency. Like I think, like you said, if people are dishonest with nutrition, I mean, with both, you know, it's not going to work as successfully. So like nutrition, you just kind of get yourself set back. um, And, you know, they're obviously not going to progress. And you're like, well, I know, I know there's something going on, but you're not communicating it with me. And then with programming, (laughs) what I find, and it's actually happened a few with a few different clients. a lot of the time people don't say that they're hurt or that uh, something's going on because they feel like um, it's a lot of effort. Like they feel like they're effort. And I'm like, it's my job. Like if yeah. you go into a session and your knee's sore or your shoulder's sore or something's going on and you're not fully recovered, let me know. Don't just kind of like brave through it and then come back to me and go, hey, yeah, it's been a few weeks, but uh, it's been sore. And it's like, <laughs> it's my job, man. Like. It's much easier to get ahead of it at the start, right? Once the damage is done or compounded, then it's really tricky. The other thing with feedback with training, do you find that there's things that people just don't do on their training program or things that they'll, you know, say say they've been programmed to have a deload week and they don't deload. <laughs> Things like Honestly, that. I think I've only had one client. I've only had one client that really didn't like the deload. I'm like, well, you know, you do you, you do you. Yeah. Um, Cause like, I guess there's a fine line between, you know, um, you know, the, the client is paying me to give them a program to make them successful. They're not paying me to be their mother. So Mm -hmm. if they want to, if they want to go out and skip their accessory work or, you know, go over the recommended RPE, that's honestly up to them. Um, But I'm not going to be like, oh, you've been naughty. Yeah. Naughty. (laughs) Like that's not, not I'm not a babysitter. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. No coaches should be because that's micromanaging. And that takes away from the client's experience, right? If your coach has to have control of every little aspect of what you do, that's a big red flag. There's definitely ways to combat that. Like there's definitely ways to combat that in terms of programming, like in in nutrition as well. Like if you get a client, (laughs) you guess like uh, you get to know them as a client and you're like, okay, this person hates cooking meals you know Kate's cooking all the meals every single day I'm not going to give them intricate tough meals that take 30 to 45 minutes to cook and like a program I know that they only have an hour and a half to do a program I'm not going to put an accessory movement that's going to take 10 minutes to set up because I know they're probably not going to do it so (laughs) I guess it's like it's a little bit of getting to know your client but then also having the trust there that they're going to do what you need them to as well that they're going to implement it. Yeah, that's it. Exactly yeah. right. So I think, you know, we've made a very good argument for why both sides need to be on the same page. We mm. were discussing earlier as well that, you know, it's it's important to know when it's, you know, we need to figure out who the right coach is, but the right coach might only be the right coach for a period of time. So whether it's yes. because your goals change or whether it's because, your relationship changes, it doesn't matter. You have to know how to choose the right coach for you and then when to move on from a coach if Mm. the time arises. Now, have you had any situations that you can give us examples of, um, Zach, where you've moved on from a coach or where uh, you've had a client that you've suggested move on? Yeah, um, I've had, you know, both sides. I've 
you know, moved on from coaches for multiple different reasons, whether it's outgrowing a coach or whether yeah. it's time to take, you know, when I wanted to, you know, I left uh, Will Crozier, like I left him not because, of, you know, um, I'd outgrown him or that he was a bad coach. I just needed to take a break away from powerlifting. Yeah. Um, I think, I think it's, I think it depends on why, because I think yeah. a lot of people, look at leaving a coach uh, as a negative where yeah. it's not always negative. Like I've had clients leave because they didn't need me anymore, which is, that's right. I mean, ultimately that's the best case scenario. Like that's you want everyone you. to leave. Yeah. Um, that means that and, you've done your job right. It means you've educated exactly. them enough that they feel confident in going off and doing it yeah. themselves now, which is great. Yeah. Which, I mean, yeah, that's what you want for everyone. Um, yeah. And I've had coaches, you know, clients leave because they wanted to do a different sport that was out of my scope. Yeah. So it's, it's different, you know, uh, people leave for all different reasons, but I think yeah. it's, it, having left coaches, it's terrifying. Oh like, yeah. Scary to, it's a breakup. Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a relationship ending. <laughs> it really it does feel like a breakup. I've had it on a couple mm. of occasions in my office where I've had people in tears because we have to separate for one reason or another. And yeah. I just feel horrific about it. So particularly back when I was a bodybuilding coach, when mm. I was a bodybuilding coach, I worked with natural athletes. And I didn't have enough of an education to work with people who moved into the PED space, particularly yeah. in bodybuilding, mm. because there's usually more than one or two um, compounds that people are using. And so yeah. in, in terms of my expertise, that's just not where they lay. So if I mm. had clients who were choosing to move across to IFBB, WBFF mm -hmm. or something along those lines, where um, they, you know, that might be a route that they choose to go. Yep. I'm not going to limit their progress by saying, "Stay with me." Stay with me. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. When there's no way I can get them the best outcome. When I yeah. know that there are coaches out there that would be much better with dealing with that side mm. of things, I'm not going to mm -hmm. limit my clients by saying, "No, no, stay with me." So I've yeah. had that situation a number of times. I've always also had an interesting situation that I was telling you about, Zach, where I had a client who actually won a competition to mm. come and have a consult with me. And this was during lockdown. So it was a Zoom consultation. Oh, uh, yeah. Anyway, very, very long story short, <laughs> she and I got talking and we were talking about her current coach and she was really, really happy with her current coach, but she was in a really awkward position because she'd obviously won this consultation with me and mm. it meant that she had the opportunity to work with me and she felt like I could be a good coach for her. But as we started discussing it and going through all of it, she was actually really happy with her current coach. And I was sort of saying to her, look, there's nothing I can really add to what your current um, coach is doing there's no reason for you to shift across and start working with me so yeah. unless there's anything that you are not enjoying about being with your coach mm. stick with them they've invested in you they yeah. bothered to learn you know how to coach you well they've bothered mm. to listen to your feedback and they've helped to progress you by mm. all means give me a buzz if you feel like you outgrow that coach at any point but yeah. for the moment, it looks like you're getting exactly what you need from your coach. So there's also those external pressures of, mm. all right, am I supposed to, am I getting the best out of this coach? Should mm. I move on and be with someone else? 
when realistically that's such a personal thing, isn't it? Yeah, I think I think people also leave their coaches before they actually communicate with them as well. So like, you know, in this day and age, I think it's really easy to just kind of shut it out and just ignore it and just kind of run away. Like I think the communication of it, communication is really easy when you're talking about something that uh, both parties are happy with. But when you've yes. got, you know, say, you know, you're you're with your coach. Like I've 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 spoken to a lot of clients that came from other coaches yeah. who weren't who didn't really have that confidence to say hey listen uh you know your your you know your your um attention to detail has kind of lacking um you know can we can we you know kind of talk about it and get it back to where it was they just kind of leave they leave instead and it's like well if the if the coach doesn't know what they're doing wrong for one they can't improve their service and two they can't they can't fix it or correct it or change it you know change it in the future so and I think that that's definitely feedback, important. That feedback helps other clients mm. as well. It doesn't just 100%. help you, it helps other clients. Mm. Some coaches will get to a point where, look, at the end of the day, every coach, I think every decent coach out there goes through a point where they go from having the perfect amount of clients, easy, mm. to, easy to give feedback to everyone, plenty yeah. of time to spend with everyone, to the point where they have to decide between putting up their prices or taking on more clients. And yeah. it's difficult because, you know, mm. you want to be supplying this service and you want to be making it available to the people who need the service. Yeah. So that hesitation to put your prices up is there also mm. because you don't know how your current clients are going to take it. You don't know yeah. if they're going to see it as a slap in the face. But the reality yeah. is you're then limited. Either you take on more clients and then there's the potential that your attention mm. to detail does drop just but, simply yeah. because you've got so many more people to deal Time. with or you put up your prices and then you get flack for that. So it's kind of, it's a bit of a catch-22 from a coach's perspective as well there. So when we get the feedback from the client saying, all right, um, up until Mm. two months ago, you you were doing great. I felt well looked after. I definitely felt that I was being heard. And Mm. now I don't feel like I'm being heard anymore. And when I ask uh, questions, it takes you five days to get back to me instead of two days. Then Mm. the coach is in a position where the coach needs to make a smart choice. If the coach doesn't get that feedback, it's very difficult for them to say, all right, this is the point of make or break. I've got to decide which way to go. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Because at the end of the day, you just want to have a good service. Yeah. And whether, yeah, I think it's a hard decision to go. Okay, well, I can't take any more clients, so now what do I do? But then, yeah, the right. service, the service definitely has to be key. But That's yeah, it. I think I think we've really covered, you know, what what uh, we, you know, what we as coaches need from a client and what clients yeah. need from a coach. So I think definitely taking the time to make sure that the relationship is what you need it to be and what you want it to be. Um, I think that's definitely, you know, that's, that's key. Really. Oh, absolutely huge. If you have yeah. any questions about coaching guys or any questions about um, looking for a coach, pop them down below. Um, and I guess we'll leave it there for today's episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we will Thank see you for you listening guys. guys. <laughs> Stay safe. Absolutely. Stay safe guys.